Hi, and welcome to the August Forum. I'm your host, Andrew, and I'll be sharing the stories of fashion industry professionals, creatives, and entrepreneurs about their journeys and experiences as they advance within this ever-growing industry. The August Forum, as an extension of the shop itself, allows you to have the ability to listen to those in the space. So whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, trying to break into the fashion industry, or just curious about the ins and outs, we hope these stories will help you to achieve your goals. In this episode, we have the privilege of featuring Alex James, a distinguished creative, music curator, and co-founder of the eminent streetwear brand, Pleasures. His pioneering work in Pleasures, along with the consequential collaborations, has successfully elevated the brand to becoming an indispensable icon in the realm of streetwear. With a broad array of accomplishments, ranging from New Order to Stephanie Workers Club, Alex and Pleasures' diverse portfolio of work has garnered widespread recognition. During our conversation with Alex, we not only delve into his remarkable journey to becoming a prominent figure in the fashion industry, but explore his innate proclivity toward music and how it influences creative design and strategic approach at Pleasures. Additionally, we discuss the forthcoming August X Pleasures project, featuring the illustrious Kenny Hoopla. Our enthralling exchange with Alex was truly compelling and enlightening, and we are confident that you too will find it equally engaging. This is the August Forum. So for today's episode, I am joined by Alex James. Alex, how are you doing today? What's going on? How are you, bro? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks so much for doing this. Honestly, super. I really appreciate that you're taking the time to do this, man. No problem. You know, I'm down to support August and Rob and the community that he's built in Madison, Wisconsin. <laughs> Before we get going, do you want to kind of talk about a little bit about who you are, what you do? We know that you're a big music guy, so talk about maybe what type of music you've been listening to. And then, I mean, August and this podcast, it's a fashion podcast, so what you've been wearing recently as well. For sure. I am a dad. I'm a husband. I am a co-founder of the brand Pleasures. I live in Los Angeles, California. You know, as of right now, what I'm listening to, Mm -hmm. if you want me to get into that, and in this like new wave goth wormhole of music, listening to a lot of Agnes Circle and Cold Cave and Death in June and Buzzkill and just all these fucking random Random bands. I DJed the Deus Records, mm-hmm. a 15-year anniversary show, and a lot of these bands performed. So I got to see some of these guys live, and it was pretty cool to share the stage with some real icons. That's awesome. Just, I mean, yeah. looking you up and just like researching you, kind of getting to know you a little bit more. I mean, it's very prominent about how important like music has played in your life. And this conversation we're going to have is very much like kind of around the surrounding theme of how important like music plays into your life. But an interesting thing that I saw was your 2022 top albums. One that stuck out to me was the newest Dead record, D-E-H-D. Mm-hmm. has like really good songs like Star on it. Oh my God, there's like another one. But that's like a really interesting kind of different take on your music taste because you have a very like diverse music taste in, in itself. Yeah, I mean, like if you're listening to one style style of music, you're kind of maybe a little one dimensional. You have to broaden your <laughs> horizons and maybe listen to some other shit, right? So, I think you know, I'm not really knowing about the band Debt, like what they are about. I kind of just started listening to them, like over like the start of COVID, 
yeah before that album had dropped and i think they kind of blew up from that album they're, they're cool it's just one of these like yo i'm in my house i'm working listening to different things and that was one of them and it helped me get it helped me get through some of these like boring shitty times <laughs> i mean i had the chance to see them they toured in madison got to see them and some of like the best like on stage performers is that something that you appreciate Sick. when it comes to like when you go out to see bands and artists is that like something you wish to see is like a good stage presence like the music itself can be good but the way you present your music yes yes you have to present your music and have stage presence i think to keep it appealing Mm. Also, you know, when somebody goes to, you know, see someone live, it's a form of entertainment to release. So, you know, you should put into it what the people want to get out of it, too. You know, and I think it's your artistry. You know, I think this is an artist on a stage. And if they want to be one way, they can be one way. And but most people want to bring in 110 percent, I feel like. So it's uh, it's really cool to feel that energy. Who's the artist or band that you got to see live that you ha- thought had the best stage presence or best performance in general? I think like Rage Against the Machine. I was really like, you know, <laughs> I've seen them a lot throughout my life, just like the, because you could like feel the energy of the music. And I think on a smaller scale, the first time I saw the XX was at Monkey Town in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. like way back in the day before they like super blew up. And, you know, you could feel like, whoa, this band is going to be really big someday they weren't yet and that was that was cool i mean we'll talk about like the different places you lived in from like new jersey philly and then la but one band that you got to see was animal collective how was that they were pretty big when i saw them i remember seeing them the show specifically was at the electric factory in philadelphia and it was just uh you know a visual experience you know i was you know really really experimenting having a good time and I just remember it being like, just so extra. It was it was really cool. Yeah, I mean they're a band inherently, which is the sound is very unique and it's just very full. I think it's mm-hmm. the best way to describe them. It's just a very full sound that they have. But I mean, again, you're a brand owner, you're a co-founder of Pleasures. Like you're in the fashion industry. Like what is Alex James like wearing day to day right now? you know really comfortable clothes you know it's like uh lots of wider fit pants whether they're denim or you know vintage army pants usually vintage t-shirt inside out not really into logos at the moment so i'm keeping it kind of basic (laughs) and usually like a pair of interesting footwear one that could be comfortable because uh i operate on a standing desk throughout the Mm -hmm. day like during this interview right now and kind of have something comfortable on, on my feet been into the vomero shoe not because yeah. of the current trend that's back <laughs> I, have a, I, I have a bunch of older ones that i think are cool so i've been rocking those been rocking the puma pleasures yeah. faces which is about to drop in two months which is really dope been wearing the oamc version of the adidas samba yeah. which i have on right now which is just a chunkier cooler version of the icon I was going to say, I mean, hard copy, you know, that Instagram page that like just like posts all these new drops that their brands are doing. I feel like every time I look at their page right now, it's like another Vomero that Nike's dropping in a different colorway. And it's just the hype is really there right now for sure. But I will say that this is probably one of those shoes that your feet will say thank you for wearing. Right. They they feel really good. You know, obviously I've been wearing 
the Hoka Tor Ultra JL Al one. That one's cool, and the Bodega one as well. But that's kind of like my rotation right there. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about like future trends and how you know you envision like pleasures itself in the market right now with the different trends available, but. Let's get more into the meat and potatoes about you here. So again, we're going to dive into your work with Pleasures and the collaborations that you guys have worked on, which has been an, a crazy assortment, I would definitely say. And I think if people just saw the different figures and companies that you guys have worked with, they'd be pretty shocked and surprised. But before we even get to any of that here, like you were born in New Jersey. You are a Jets fan at heart. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, who knows what's going to happen here. You move to New York, you know, you're visiting, you're in Brooklyn, you're taking some time in Philly, and then now you're in LA. Like, how has all that shaped you to be like this creative and like this entrepreneur that like you are? I think, you know, living in two different places that are respectable in the US, I think the rest of the US is like, you don't really get the access that we would get in New York and LA, right? So I actually lived in LA from 2005 to 2007 and really got to experience the influx of West Coast streetwear along with, uh, you know, French disco and French house of the blog house era in that scene. So that was cool. Then they came back to New York. You know, you just learn a lot. You become street smart a lot faster Mm -hmm. and got to witness amazing, you know, art, culture, sports every day in your face you know Mm -hmm. i mentioned you being a jets fan here current situation right now no quarterback you got two on the market that it seems like you guys are interested in if you're the gm of the new york jets who are you taking are you taking aaron Rodgers or lamar jackson right now i would probably say aaron Rodgers because then we'll get obj as well and i remember when i was a kid Brett Favre came to the Jets for yeah. like a season, and yeah. we went we went to like in the playoffs. I got to go to the playoff game. It was sick, honestly. Like I'm like we could do that all over again, and you know, really, really live up to the great team that they are. Yeah, know? yeah, that's great. I mean, before we continue to talk about pleasures and everything that you did, I think when you first got in the limelight it was through like procuring vintage from honduras and like kind of spearheading like vintage back into like the mainstream culture i mean during that time you found like vintage hermes jackets to an like an original like snow beach jacket that you got for like 13.99 and you resold it for like 20 like a couple thousand dollars i mean how has that like experience and that work that you had there like allowed your creativity and inspiration in the designs at pleasures the long question dude i mean like you know i'm co-founder of the brand my business partner and my friend vlad is the other half and we've experienced a lot you know in the late 90s y2k era 2010s of living in you know between new york and la and taking all these things that we've experienced in different subcultures that we were a part of Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of educating people through graphics, through clothing, through footwear, through objects, through anything, you know, our experiences and what we like and what we think is cool. Do you ever find yourself like looking at vintage designs and vintage graphic tees? I mean, like that's something that I want to almost not recreate, but 
those sort of elements from that you want to put into your like designs and what you produce at pleasures yeah of course i mean like you know like fits and executions and you know buttons and zippers and you know different stitching and stuff like that is was way more interesting back in the day you know yeah like remixing old ideas new technology different things how do you see like the vintage market right now i mean you a lot of like people like have made careers basically from it you know from procuring and reselling vintage what do you think of like the market now from when you were really a part of it when i was a part of it it wasn't as competitive so it was easier to sell stuff seems like now it's like people are just posting directly from the thrift store and the bins and all this stuff and it just is a different game you know like when i was doing vintage you know i was obviously digging through thrift stores and rag houses and recycled clothing centers and all types of things I think the game has just gotten saturated, but there's still cool stuff and there's still people that are willing to pay and it's still a great assist for the environment as mm-hmm. far as people who dedicate buying secondhand. You know, I think that's important. Unfortunately, uh, you know, fashion industry is a horrible and a waste for the planet. We're trying to do our part and do everything the right way mm-hmm. as much as possible. Right. And I mean, you talk about like you're wearing vintage tees still, you're wearing vintage army pants, like you're still wearing like these more, the secondhand clothing. And is that something that you keep in mind when you're like, you know, wearing your outfits every day? Is that like, all right, I want to make sure that I'm also sustaining the environment or like doing my part in a way? Yeah, but it's also because it's like, hey, it's cool, it's different. And I like the way it's made and it fits me right. And it just so happens to be from 30 years ago, <laughs> you know, you know, like that's just me being honest. Right. I'm not being like, I'm captain save the planet. I'm right. just like, yo, yo, these pants fit like way cooler than some current ones that I have. And I'm going to rock these. I mean, Hey, good point. You make up a good point. I got to interview Nathan Chandra from rolling lifestyle a couple episodes back, but oh, you guys, yeah. Big Nate. Yeah. Big Nate, nice. Great guy. Great conversation with him. Your guys' collaboration with him and Roland Lifestyle and like Uncle and Moax, like to having like almost a hoodie with like Blur and the Blur album cover, like music has clearly influenced you in a way where it's like very representative in your work. How important is it for you to showcase that side of yourself in your work, like now as a creative and as a brand owner? I mean, it's like the ultimate, like reliving my like childhood fantasy because I'm getting to, you know, not only put people on to stuff that they may not know about, good stuff. Mm -hmm. It's also just like, you know, getting to work with stuff that I idolized growing up, you know, Blur, you know, that self-titled album, fucking unreal. Mm -hmm. I always thought James James Lavelle was the man and what he created with Uncle was like a full collaborative project where it was just a platform to work with people and that's kind of what we do and we kind of made that connection like hey we're like pretty alike and now we're like friends you know it's it was we did this amazing concert in london awesome project you know roland definitely was a part of it and it was sick you know it's like a lot of this music's made on their equipment and just like a full 360 project it felt really nice yeah i mean from all the different figures and bands and you know just 
icons in the music industry that you guys have had the chance to work with, which one of those was like the most like important to you and the moment you're like, holy shit, like we're really like doing something huge right now. Unfortunately, a lot of the artists that I, I was into that we've worked with are no longer with us. You know, so somebody like the rapper Big L, who I definitely idolized mm-hmm. as a kid, Genesis Peorge, mm-hmm. uh, Psych- Psychic TV. Those are probably the two big ones for me that were super special. We have a really special one coming out with Sonic Youth, who I'm really, really into probably my whole life. So that that's coming out in the summertime. Big spoiler alert. <laughs> that's crazy. I feel like I'm someone, you know, that's a lot younger and like le- listening and learning about all these bands and then the impact that they've made on the music that I listen to now is like very crazy. Yes. And it's like so huge and within our culture. Do you ever find like yourself like reflecting on that? And being like, it's crazy to think how the music industry was when I was like younger to what it is now and like kind of some of the figures in it now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like streaming really changed the game for everyone in many Mm -hmm. different ways, good and bad. But I think as far as accessibility goes to have the option to really listen to anything at any moment is pretty cool. You know, like uh, whereas in the past there was a barrier to listen to music. Now it's fully accessible and you can listen mm-hmm. to fucking anything, uh, you know? So I think that's cool. It's just that, you know, some of these platforms suck for them. All of them suck for the artists, right? So. Right. But yeah, I feel like a lot of back in the day, it was like word of mouth and all this. And now it's like, uh, yo, I made a record. It's on the internet and it lives forever. So I think it's, it's like cool. that, that little digital footprint that like once it's there, it's like forever going to be there, you know? Yeah. But then I'm listening to a lot of stuff that, isn't on the internet too you know Mm -hmm. whether it's like a music file sharing you know club or whatever i'm in and then they're like yo these old tracks that i you know recorded off record or people who have old hard drives that was pre-streaming pre-internet stuff that has stuff you know tracks on it so there's still a lot when i'm djing i'm playing some of these live versions and different things that i have from like old hard drives yeah. I mean, as we continue with this conversation, you talked about French disco and then your kind of time in LA, but also within that scene is pretty like infamous streetwear brands. I mean, there's Plain Gravy with like an iconic tee with a like Pharrell Can't Skate tee. And then there's also FA at the time with the Carl Lagerfeld's like gangsta situation tee. Like you had kind of like this knack of gravitating towards like these extreme designs and like unfiltered graphics. Do you find that those classic graphics like influence you in the way that you present the graphics at pleasures and kind of the design strategy that you have? Yeah. I mean, like, you know, we're, we're all inspired from, you know, someplace else on a lot of these, you know, OG graphics from, you know, fresh drive, Stussy, plain gravy, fucking all these, you know, random brands over the years. There's just like, everybody's pulling from different resources and different mm-hmm. inspiration but with our brand, we're pulling from a whole other weird pool of just, you know, random stuff that we're into. And some people are like, wow, I've never seen this on a t-shirt or I don't know what this is or what is the reference because I'm not really sure. And I think that's part of like discovery, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Did you ever get that Carl Lagerfeld gangsta situation too? Of course. I used to wear it. I was first <laughs> living, when I was first living in LA and 
you know, summer of 2006 and fucking everybody was wearing that shirt. It was so sick. <laughs> but before, you know, like the fashion industry almost presented, was presented to you as this working opportunity. You know, you dropped out of college, you were just working and trying to kind of more make ends meet in a little bit, but you had the chance of being a consultant with brands. How did that kind of like help you perceive the way you look at fashion itself? Yeah, I mean, uh, working with other people just helps you learn about how the shit really works. You know, a good friend of mine taught me a lot. My friend Michael Wynn kind of taught me how, like, you know, clothing's made, how mm-hmm. footwear is made. And then I have another dude who put me on, this guy Paul Ruffles. And he taught me about, like, sneaker collaborations, footwear, you know, the ins and outs, how how a deal is structured, how distribution looks, how all these things, you know, how, like, the footwear game operates on collaboration. Mm-hmm. So it was cool to, like, utilize all these things that I've learned and worked on with other people and brought it into our own brand. My discourse with Alex was thoroughly engrossing as it became apparent that music has played a pivotal role in both his personal and professional life. With collaborations such as Uncle and the upcoming Sonic Youth Project, music is prominently dispersed throughout his work at Pleasures. It is evident that Alex and Pleasures has cemented their position within streetwear by seamlessly integrating music and the surrounding culture into their designs. As we shift our focus to Pleasures, it is enlightening to learn how Alex and his co-founder Vlad have revitalized a dormant subcategory within streetwear culture. From provocative graphics to using their platform to promote underlying messages, their approach is indeed exciting. The discussion surrounding how an independent brand like Pleasures navigates the streetwear landscape and collaborates with notable music figures and brands is captivating. It is apparent that Alex and Vlad are keen to ensure that the work they produce not only reflects their brand, but also upholds the image and reputation of those whom with they collaborate. So in 2015, you and your friend Vlad, you started Pleasures. I mean, during that time, streetwear was kind of at a plateau, or I mean, that's how you guys may have viewed it at that time. So you guys decided to just start a brand that stems and draws inspiration from your love of music and the culture surrounding it. What have the past eight years been like for you? You know, we never really thought it was going to be like this. It really didn't get ramped up to, like I said, about 2017. We both were working other jobs at the start. It was pretty small operation. And then it started to get ramped up. And it's just cool for people to reciprocate the energy and the ideas that we put out there. You know, I'll never get over when I see people just on the street wearing it. You know, it's in different countries all over the world. It's pretty cool. Do you find yourself like really like appreciating just like this kind of like grasp it has globally now? You know, it's like starting. Did you like ever find yourself like thinking like you'd go to a different country and you would see someone wearing your pieces? I mean, it kind of was that way from the start, you know, like people like showed interest like right away because we already had worked for other brands and built up a network of people who knew who we were. So when we did something together, people were like, oh, this is cool. This is different. Sure. I'll carry it at my store in Japan or Korea or France or whatever. So we, we had like maybe like five to 10, like cool stores carrying our product pretty much like, you know, six months out, you know? Hmm. Was there a moment for you when you like saw maybe on the street someone wearing a piece of yours? Did you have like a, holy shit, we're doing something like crazy here. We're doing something right here. Yeah, I was on a work trip in Seoul and, you know, we saw one of our first like graphics like bootlegged 
the, like the streets of Hongdae area. I was like, damn, we made it. That's a good moment, honestly. But it was like a bootleg button down shirt. I'm like, damn, this is. This is <laughs> well, again, you guys are kind of not only known for your extreme and very polarizing like designs, but also like the collaborations that you guys have worked on. I mean, just to name a few, you've worked with Crocs, Adidas, and like Step New Workers Club, and then music figures like, you know, New Order, Blur, and even like Weezer. Could you talk about like the process of like connecting with these people and then all the way to like producing like a straight up like product line? There's various different avenues to connect. You know, sometimes it's through friends, sometimes it's through DM, sometimes it's through the record label. There's all different types of ways that we connect sometimes it's directly with the band just say yo you want to work on some shit we we vibe with you sometimes it's like hey this band's not around anymore it's owned by somebody else let's talk to the estate let's talk to the family let's talk to the people running this it's a lot of fucking work i'll be honest it's a lot of you know working with something that's super delicate that's somebody's life's work and you know they're letting you do something else with it so it's a sensitive subject already and there's a lot of back and forth and the, you know good things take time so these projects you know usually take from uh, ideation discussion to completion 12 to 18 months out and for you like when you're in that process like what is the biggest like obstacle within it is there something that you always kind of are like oh i like have to make sure i'm preparing myself for this I think like working with every different artist, they are, there are different levels of particularness. Mm -hmm. So when working with somebody else's art, what they created, it's a sensitive thing. So you have to treat it that way. So in return might be a lot of edits and back and forth and zoom calls and lots of different avenues of communication to figure shit out. Mm -hmm. Is there like a collaboration in particular that you are kind of the most proud of? I know we talked about some of the music figures you got to work with, but now, you know, adding up brands on top of that, is there one that you were super proud to work on? Yeah, I think the Moax Uncle One was really cool, was really into the New Order and Joy Division projects because we got to work with uh, Peter Saville, who's mm. basically the creator of modern day graphic design and just an unreal graphic designer and feel like we really represented you know his work in the right way yeah absolutely going towards your guys's like online presence you guys have a very you know particular online presence i got to learn that you know you run the social media account i mean you of course have help with it now but it's still like your voice and you know what you have to yeah. say here do you find that like the way you communicate your brand and products like reflect the way like people view and kind of treat your brand as well? Like kind of like you give and take a little bit there? It's not that serious or deep, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up. I mean, you know, it's just like it's a new tool for advertising. There's a lot of humor on there. If I'm feeling like shit, there's something negative. If I'm feeling positive and happy, mm -hmm. there's something of that nature. We're just putting out interesting ideas and putting people onto different music and different cultural, you know, points. But at the end of the day, like I said, this is a platform for all different types of people to enjoy. We don't have any one type of customer or follower mm -hmm. or anything. Instagram is probably your main, like, you know, online presence and kind of more advertising aspect. Sure. Is there other ways that you guys have like brainstormed or tried to 
idealize like that different avenues to reach like customers and, and consumers? Yeah, I mean, I'm still an advocate for OH advertising, which would be advertising in the public. We do billboards in LA, Tokyo, Paris, New York for various different projects and collections. And I still think wheat pasting is a big part of advertising for us. A uh, collab that you guys got to work on was the Crocs collab where you know you had like the little skeleton toes there. The first rendition of it sold out. It was reselling. Then you decided to more mass produce it and kind of give it to everybody. In this market now, I feel like it's very like the resale game is a huge thing. It's a huge aspect of it. What do you think of that exclusivity factor in streetwear right now? I don't know. I don't think about it. Yeah, I mean, like we don't we don't make stuff to resell. We make stuff to put ideas out there, right? And if it's mm-hmm. wanted, and people want to resell it, cool. But there's never really uh, like a thought, you know. Like the resale market, I personally think is imploding because of what's happening in the global economy. You know, times are tight right now. You know, where whether people want to admit it, we are in a recession, mm-hmm. and it's definitely affected the resale shop. You know, let's be real. A lot of resale shops have shut down right. recently. And, you know, we're starting to see the effects of people's money is a little bit tighter and they can't be dropping exorbitant money on <laughs> sneakers and other things, you know, straight up. Do you think with that, like, with what you just said now, like the way streetwear and fashion is going to go from the next few years, do you think that's like this sort of quote unquote exclusivity is going to die down? And kind of like everyone's just going to go into more of this, I'm just going to get what I like and kind of stick with that. Yeah, I think it's kind of getting there now where it's like, hey, I'm like going to support people who I think are cool or ideas I think are cool or something I can see myself wearing regardless of, you know, the brand. I think more independent brands, I think more multicultural brands, you know, it's more about like supporting like more independent artists doing their thing, you know, and I think that's that's what the big corporations are obviously seeing. So they're working with people like us and other brands and other creators because they're trying to get that flavor and we're just getting paid for it. <laughs> but also getting the exposure, which I'm not mad at, you know? No, like, absolutely uh, not. Like we're working on a skincare project and uh, it eventually might be sold at like Target. And we're like, oh, fire. sick, this is fucking That's sick. so so sick. Do I want to sell clothes at Target? Never. But would I want to sell <laughs> a face mask and uh, some, some eye pouches? Sure. What is that like to work with these bigger corporations? I know I asked you about what it was like to you know work on collaborations and the timeline of that. But again, it must be different working with a conglomerate like Adidas, right? It's not easy. I would say like you know to even get in front of these brands is a little bit harder nowadays to the the barrier to entry is still pretty high. You know, mm-hmm. if footwear collaborations with major brands like Adidas were easy, then everybody would have them, right? Right, right. But they don't. And I think it takes a lot of, you know, knowing yourself in the marketplace, having a good global footprint and distribution, and just being easy to work with and putting out mm-hmm. good, consistent ideas. You know, I think being professional, like me, me and Vlad and our staff are professional and you know, we don't come from the world of, hey, I'll get to the email tomorrow. Right. It's, yo, we're answering this shit every day, 24-7, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in your Adidas collab, you did a superstar and a samba. Like when you 
choose the products that you guys want to release like how does that go about do they give you like here's the models that you can work on here's what you can't work on or is it kind of that conversation about like you know let's just talk and see what works best for both parties it's a conversation of what's on the roadmap of of what they're trying to push Mm -hmm. you know it's like if that one year is like yo i think it was the 50th anniversary of the superstar and they're like yo we want to shine some light on this we want you to make your own and i said well fuck let's try to make it as best as we can i think we did a pretty sick job people still love it yeah i actually wore i wore it the other day i'm like damn this shoe is sick like it's just it just looks really good you know but again these projects take a really long time Mm -hmm. and it's a fucking lot of work that goes into this During our engaging conversation, Alex and I delved into the August X Pleasures collaboration, a unique project involving a free concert in Madison, Wisconsin, headlined by the celebrated musician Kenny Hoopla. The collaboration represents a dynamic partnership between August and Pleasures, aimed at expanding their platforms while providing artists with a stage to showcase their work. We explored the origins of the project with Alex, who shared how Pleasures' continued collaborations with musicians and artists serve to promote emerging talent while also advancing the brand's growth and development. The forthcoming concert is particularly special as it features a performance by a former resident of Madison itself and a former employee of August, adding a layer of local connection and nostalgia to the event. As we discuss the collaboration, we also examine the associated merchandise, including the August X Pleasures Tea, featuring a photo of Kenny taken by the August photographer Isaac Westberg. We further explore the exceptional work that Isaac has done for the shop and his ability to capture the essence of the performers and events that he photographs. The August X Pleasures collaboration represents an exciting initiative that highlights the power of collaborations between fashion and music. The project sets pleasures apart from other brands and subcategories in fashion as a brand continues to deliver unique performances and acts while also promoting talent and providing a unique experience for audiences. The collaboration further demonstrates pleasures' commitment to developing and nurturing the creative community while also advancing their brand mission and vision. Now moving forward to kind of our recent project and you know collaboration between August and Pleasures we have something great coming up which is the August Pleasures collaboration with Kenny Hoopla's performance here could you talk about like how that project like came to fruition yes so we partnered up with PBR on some concerts and marketing activations mm-hmm. and we had saw Rob at the top of the year and, you know, we just casually say, Hey man, maybe, maybe one day we'll do something together. You know, I've been supporting us for a while and I personally know Rob for quite some time. And I think that it's always nice to have somebody open up a store and create a community and put people on to interesting stuff in a, you know, not so, you know, mega place right. in the U S smaller tertiary right. city that has cool history, cool people. Mm-hmm. And, we said, yo, let's do a concert. And then Rob was like, yo, you guys know Kenny Hoopla? And I'm like, yeah, of course. He's friends with a lot of our friends, you know, good vibe, good attitude, good music. He's like, yo, I think we can get him to play like a, like a pretty, you know, small show. I was like, cool. Let's get some sponsorship dollars behind it. Put on a show for people to enjoy. That's fire. I mean, I remember when I first, when I first heard it, it was like, or at least the first idea and concept of it. I mean, Rob brought the entire team, all of us in. He's like, I want to do like 
big things in 2023. And then, you know, the ball got rolling and all these like different players came into play. And now it's like this full fledged thing that like, you know, we can really talk about now as because this episode is going to come out like just a little bit before, you know, the concert itself. But how important is it for like you guys to like give a platform to like these smaller, well, not smaller, Kenny's not small, but like just bands and artists in general in the position you guys are in now? I think it's really important to shine a light on upcoming music. And there's so many fucking cool new bands out there that, you know, need some amplification. And I'm just posting shit that I'm listening to on daily on our IG. And people are like, just what is this? And I'm like, I don't owe anybody anything. I'm just like, yo, this is what I'm feeling. And sometimes the bands reach out. Sometimes bands have said, hey, Spotify's telling us a lot of analytics from your playlist. Like, appreciate you, yada, yada. So like, you know, it's like, I think it's really about shining a light on the past you know the Mm -hmm. present and also like stuff that's coming out in the future i think one of the most interesting things is like how readily available you are like on spotify like it didn't take me that many far clicks to find you and like your personal playlist and like what you're listening to that's like very interesting but you also did an august ox with you know the pleasures mix i mean what was that like for you? Like, just like Rob hitting you up or, you know, Sam hitting you up being like, let's do a mix. Yeah. I was like, cool. Like I'm down to do it. But you know, somebody on the August side uh, mixed it for me. I just kind of picked out the tracks and what I was feeling. I would have liked to mix it myself. I just didn't have the right equipment (laughs) at the time, but that was cool. I like doing playlists for different people. You know, I've, I've done a lot of different ones. You know, most recently did one for this file sharing platform called BPMs, BPMIO. And it's just an app for people to get, you know, downloads of high quality music and it's a music share platform. That's fire. I mean, your presence in music or just like your, like how important and how integral it is within you is like very interesting. And these like a lot of conversations I have with people, like music is a big thing, but the way that you and Vlad have just made it into a platform. I mean, now with this concert coming up, like, is that something that you wish to explore a little bit more? Yeah. I mean, like the reason that we wanted to, you know, partner up with somebody so we can actually put on a bunch of cool concerts and activations kind of all over the U.S. and even all over the world. You know, we just did a party and a concert in Hong Kong with the band NYPD, <laughs> which was a very successful project. That's a Cantonese psych rock band that my longtime friend and frequent collaborator, DJ Healthy, aka Leo, he's the drummer of NYPD and they fucking rock. Check them out. There you go. Everyone and myself got to check them out. I mean, for you, when you find like these artists and bands, is that just through a pull of network, just like connections that you have? Yeah, just being like open with people and talking about what you're listening to, you know, how you're feeling, stuff like that. I think like sharing your, I guess, more personal side with mm-hmm. people and opening up about how music can change your mood and make you feel better. And it's a powerful thing. And I think it's cool that people want to talk about it and share it. And yeah. I'm just, in some of these circles, you know? Yeah. I mean, with the concert plan, there's also, at least to my knowledge, there's going to be a t-shirt attached to it as well that both of you guys or all parties are working on. Could you talk about what you know, if you know what the idea or the concept might be? Yes. 
It is a photo that Isaac took of Kenny with the one night only live uh, info on the back. Damn. I remember. It's pretty sick. Honestly, it's pretty cool. I definitely want one for myself. It's pretty iconic. <laughs> and the only way to get them is if you attend the show. If you don't, that, I'm sorry. That is actually facts. Yeah. You have to attend the show to be able to get it. It's the one night and one time and one night only. And it's free. And it's free. Everything. Everything's yes. free. So everything's free. The show's free. The t-shirt's free. And this is just a straight, yo, let's throw a party and show yep. love to the community. Yeah. I mean, to anyone that's in Madison, it's going to be at the Rigby. So it's a great venue, number one. And it's a great artist. It's free. It's a free t-shirt too. There's so much that you can just like, there's no wrongs with it. Speaking of Isaac, I mean, you... Plus 21 and you get free beer. How about that? There you go. Look at that. Speaking of Isaac, you guys have like, he's someone that you share a lot of his photos and a lot of his work at August. Yes. Yes. Do you like do you like it when retailers kind of like put their own spin on your guys' stuff? Absolutely. And sometimes Isaac's version is better than our own. <laughs> and that's why I'm like, dude, he's a great photographer and I think it's elevated the look of the shop. And you know, it's important for a retailer to set themselves apart with their own photography. And I think, you know, August is kind of you know, like leading a charge with a with, you know, a few other stores in the mix too in the States, but it's important to curate the product in a different way. I think 151 in Arizona does a good job. I think Zaki in Denver, Steadbrook does a good job. Dude, they're all great. 1032 space. Do you find yourself like really like keeping up to date with these retailers, especially like just kind of have those relationships and like have those connections and making sure like those are kind of sustained? Yeah, of course. I mean, talking on like DM or email or text, whatever, you know, and seeing each other during various different events, parties, yeah, consumer facing shows, whatever, you know? Yeah. I mean, those are basically almost all my questions that I have for you today. Before I let you go though, like, what do you see the future like kind of holding for you? Like in this upcoming year, what are some things that you want to accomplish or anything that you can kind of spill out? We're going to be working on a festival. I think that's probably like the end goal. That's not going to be this year because it's going to take some orchestration, but next year. Damn. Got the Sonic Youth collab coming up. Got the Sonic Youth collab coming up and we're trying to do a possible showcase or event or ephemera art show or something involved with that. So that'll be cool. Damn. And I'm taking golf lessons and starting golf. And yeah, I think that's, a big, that's a big one for me. And I was something I've always wanted to learn it and I want to do it properly because I think I could really get into it and enjoy it. <laughs> We're going to see you at the Masters one day. Maybe senior PGA tour. <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking with me, man. I really appreciate it. For last thing, like where can the people find you? What do you want the people to know? Anything. These are your last words, you know? My last words. Yeah, appreciate the support from everybody from Madison, August Shop, and around the world. We'll see you soon. Peace. All right. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. Once again, I'm your host, Andrew, and I want to thank Alex for taking the time to speak with me today, and to Sam Walner for creating the music you heard on today's episode. This episode was about utilizing music and the culture surrounding it in your creative work. So if you know someone wanting to implement music in their work, share with them this episode. You can find me and the shop on Instagram at Andrew Inamoto and at underscore August Shop. And find August located on 414 State Street, Madison, Wisconsin, 
or on august-shop.com. Also find the August X Pleasures Kenny Hoopla performance at the Rigby on April 22nd in Madison, Wisconsin. Once again, thank you for listening to the August Forum. <laughs>